0: Hey, ladies, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am so glad you are here listening today. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings in hopes that we can be encouraged, inspired, and challenged in this crazy time of life. So grab something refreshing and let's get going. Hey ladies, today I'm joined with Erin Weideman, five-time cancer survivor and co-founder of Truth Becomes Her to talk about our true worth. It was so great to hear Erin's story and hear how God used her journey to encourage obedience and inspire young girls to find their worth in their hearts and not in their outward appearance. So let's get to it. thank you so much for coming on the show, Erin. I am so excited to have you. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what life is like for you right now?
1: Yeah, so my husband Brent and I, we've been married for almost 10 years. We live in San Diego, North County, San Diego, in a little beach town. That's kind of, you would miss on your way down from Orange County to like downtown San Diego. So it's sort of hidden there on the coast, but um, love being there. We've been there since we got married and we have a six year old daughter named Rooney and a sweet baby girl on the way that's kicking in my belly right now. Oh my goodness. None of these things I thought would ever be possible. So yeah, I know it was such a surprise the first time around becoming parents. Um, and now we have the second little bundle coming. So we're oh busy with that. And actually we left San Diego a week ago and just decided very spontaneously to drive 20 hours Northeast to Montana. Oh my goodness. And have, yeah. Like a wild and crazy, you know, adventure. Yeah. Why Monday. not? Yeah. Yeah. One, you know, <laughs> Like during this upheaval of our lives and right. being in isolation, I feel like we're all stir crazy. And now that the world's got some interesting additional challenges. It was nice to, you know, be introspective and contemplative and and to get away as a family. So we're we're doing that for the next three weeks. So we've been here is awesome. a week. After we're enjoying it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. Just like quality time and something you'll re- always remember. Like when just okay, we just. Got up and went to Montana, like no big deal. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, like you're not gonna be able to do that once your new mini me comes out, you know. So <laughs> totally I
1: mean, my husband is way more the adventurous risk taker. Like I've learned to be that way, I think, you know, in my walk with the Lord and mm-hmm. um, what he showed me. But I was always like that very play it safe, like, okay, let's do the safe thing, like do the comfortable thing. And he's always throwing out these crazy ideas, like, oh, let's drive to Montana and <laughs> and we'll have like a adventure for a month. I'm like right before the baby comes. And in my head, I was like, oh, that's, that kind of sounds scary. But now I'm really glad we're here.
0: <laughs> I love that. It's, isn't that funny how it always works? Like God gives you somebody that's like completely, you know, opposite from you and, or just kind of like brings out what you're not exactly, you know, your strengths are and <laughs> having to uh, grow in that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so grateful for him. And we're nothing alike. But um, yeah, it's really endearing how he comes alongside me and, and just, you know, likes to do crazy things. And it's, it's taught me how to let go a little bit. So that's good.
0: Yeah, you're like, he's like, come on, Erin, you got this, like, calm down.
1: Yes, <laughs>
0: I love that. Well, tell me a little bit more about you. You know, my podcast is specifically more towards an audience of ladies in their 20s. That's kind of why I started it is for Uh, That audience, which I am in, and so uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your twenties. Like, what was good? What was hard? Tell us all about it.
1: Yeah, so I grew up. I mean, you know, typical upbringing, like in adolescence and teen years, really insecure. You know, had had a faith in that. I grew up in church and school, and we studied the Bible and talked about Jesus a lot, but didn't really have like a presence in home. Um, you know, we weren't praying, we weren't studying God's word, we weren't talking about it at home. So I just kind of naturally fell away from my faith around 16. I got really involved Mm. in things that helped me feel really confident and lifted up and valuable that were all worldly things, right? Like doing well in school and earning really good grades. And that always made me feel really good, like to get awards in class, things like that. Um, I excelled in sports. So I set my sights on a college scholarship, uh, to play softball. I got that scholarship to play at Penn state D1 school, right out of high school, wow. um, coming off like a national championship with my with my uh, rec team. So it was like kind of riding the wave of athletics and going on to like the next thing as a young adult away from my parents and got to college and just really walked, I mean, a very dark path. I, was, I, mm-hmm. still, con- I still continue to struggle with insecurity, even though I was excelling in, again, academics and athletics. I just did not find my worth in Christ at all during that time and i was really lost in my early 20s as i graduated and kind of you know the the pillars that i'd been standing on that foundation of you know school and sports were gone in an instant when when i graduated and i just found myself scrambling like okay i've got these degrees in at least a couple of subjects that i'm really passionate about i majored in journalism and spanish i was always like a lover of words, a storyteller, I loved communication. So I chose those majors as a way to like just try to be in my giftings and enjoy my time in school. But when I graduated, I found myself just like floundering under the stress of, okay, I've got to go out and get a job. It's got to be, you know, something that will make me successful. I've got to earn my own way and make a lot of money. And that was what I was focused on. So I didn't take a job in my major at all. I went and worked. My first real job out of school for like a mortgage banking company in you know the industry of finance, which was like completely ill-suited for my gifts, (laughs) not wired me at all. But just in the name of I've got to make this name for myself, I've got to be successful. I thought I I just need to make a lot of money and I need to you know build this life for myself, and Mm -hmm. was not viewing anything through the lens of faith. So fast forward, I worked that job for a couple of years. And, you know, made a lot of money, was very successful, bought myself a house right around like my 25th birthday, um, which I was like a huge accomplishment for me. I was like, I'm unmarried. I'm a woman. I bought myself a house. Is so impressive. (laughs) Um, And I moved in. We had a housewarming party. It was so great. And I was like, oh, this is like the next big step for my life. And about three months after that housewarming party, I had to pack up all my stuff and move back in with my parents because I was diagnosed with metastasized thyroid cancer that Mm. had started in my neck and went and spread to like both sides of my neck down into my heart cavity, up into my brainstem. It was just Mm. super extensive. We did not catch it early. It was, it had been, you know, living and breathing in there for a really long time. So I just out of nowhere, my mom was like, cause I felt I had felt a lump in college like years before and had it checked by a team doctor who kind of dismissed it. But my mom had me revisit it, you know, 26 years old. And she was like, I'll go to the doctor with you. We'll go to an ENT and ear, nose and throat doctor. And we'll just see what it is. And I was like, okay. So I, you know, I was, it was in the middle of my work day. I remember feeling really like, this is inconvenient mom. I have things going on. I was living like hundred miles an hour and we go to the doctor And he does this quick exam and he's just like, okay, I'm feeling all of these things inside your neck and in your chest. And Mm -hmm. Do you have time tomorrow for a biopsy? Like at 7am? Oh my gosh. And I looked at my mom and we were both like, oh, this is an emergency. Like we're having an emergency. And he, and he looked into my eyes he put his hands on my hands and he said, I think you have lymphoma or Hodgkin's disease or it's some type of it's some type of lymphatic disorder it's there's some sort of a problem and we need to deal with it like yesterday mm. and i i went from you know everything is fine i've got control of my own life i'm on a path uh, to oh my gosh i'm going to die <laughs> um mm. and, and not really understanding how serious it was you know at 26 i'm looking at my mom who works in the medical profession and she's you know turned white and is looking at the doctor mm-hmm. and questions to him. And I, my mom, like nothing phases this woman. She's so strong. Mm. So I realized almost in an instant, wow, I really needed, I needed some help. And we were, Mm. we were about to walk down a path that was not going to be one I ever expected.
0: Wow. And that was when you were 25, you said, was that?
1: Yeah, 26. I had just turned 26. So it wasn't, Mm. it wasn't too long.
0: after. Wow. And,
1: Um, and you've battled it more than once. To my knowledge. yeah, that first diagnosis came um, you know we did a we did a surgery the next day so they could diagnose it. then two weeks later we did a nine hour surgery. The mm. extensive therapy and all these different treatments came over the next like six months. And then an additional six months later, you know I'm thinking, okay, we did all the treatment. I'm gonna go back to the doctor do an ultrasound and they're gonna say, We don't see it anymore. It looks great. You know, things are stable, and that's not what happens. So basically, I would go in for the Mm -hmm. next ultrasound when I was hoping for a clean bill of health, and the doctor would say, "Okay, so we see some more disease." The the ultrasound, you know, the scan is showing us X, Y, and Z, and we need to go back Mm -hmm. in and start the process all over again. So it was basically five years of, you know, getting my hopes up for a while and hoping that oh, this next scan after we do this round of treatments will be the one where they'll tell me everything's going to be okay and you can kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel, but I just never got that diagnosis. It just, they just kept happening over and over every like nine to 12 months. And I met my husband right in the middle of that, which is Mm -hmm. the weirdest. Like if you want to try to like stress a relationship and make it super weird and awkward trying to date someone, you should do it right (laughs) in the middle of your diagnosis. Oh my Um, gosh. (laughs) Like we meet and we have this immediate connection. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's so special. And he's like drawn to me and we're really enjoying hanging out. And I'm like pumping the brakes going, what, am, what planet am I on right now? Like, right. who is this guy who is even going to want to waste his time with someone who is super sick, who's going to the doctor every other week for whatever appointment she needs to have. She's like hanging out with her mom more than any other person because right. I've got all these appointments and things like this is not romantic, <laughs> not attractive. Like i was, I just discounted our relationship so early, mm-hmm. but um, gosh, the way he pursued me, I mean, he was that guy that was just so matter of fact about it. He was like, I've been praying for a wife and I know it's you and the Lord's confirmed it for me. He wow. had a faith mm-hmm. and he, he was totally fine with going, you know, at, at five 30 in the morning and having them, you know, he'd sit in the, in the waiting room with my mom and do puzzles while I was in surgeries and just like hang out with my mom during doctor's appointments, <laughs> I was like, wow. "Who is I? like why is he here?" <laughs> he just he just knew, and and I think his his certainty and his persistence really showed me for the first time how God really pursues all of us mm-hmm. in in ways that really don't make sense when you know we make a mess of things and we go down our own path. And he was the first person that came along where I thought gosh, there's something different about him. What is it? And I was drawn to him. Um, And I realized now it was just the Lord working, you know, through him um, on my heart. So I was super grateful for that amazing guy. That's why I married him. That is (laughs) amazing.
0: Yeah, it's like, okay, if you can love me through this, then uh, yeah, I think we might be good to go. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) the low of the low. And it totally reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen, uh, I Still Believe, the story of Jeremy Camp. Have you watched it?
1: yeah so my one of my really good friends Heather is she lives down the street from me and we homeschool our kids together she Mm -hmm. is Melissa Campbell's sister oh no way yeah so she like she actually sent me an early screener of that movie so I watched it before it came out but it's so great I love being connected to them and when I watched it I mean I'm bawling in my living room going this is so reflective of like Brent and my relationship early on because they were just like we're gonna do this together and he was he was right right in the middle of it I'm here to walk with you and I'm here to walk this path, whatever the Lord is trying to show us and whatever, Mm. you know, short term, long term, whatever it ends up being. So yeah, I, oh my gosh, I like my couch watching that movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) And I can't, you know, I haven't been through anything similar, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I can only imagine like, it's basically you watching back, like what you been, what you went through, like your own little movie there, but
1: I mean, oh, and he said, "I mean, he's talking to her in the movie, and like, you know, we're just we're gonna figure this out together, and God's got a plan." And I'm like sobbing because these are just things <laughs> that Brett would say to me, and I couldn't, you know, you're just you're neck deep in your in your own stuff, and hearing all the news from the doctor, and and you're trying to make sense of it, but then here's this person, like this is why God wants us in relationship with. <laughs> People. Like this is why he wired us this way because here yes. you are trying to do it all by yourself. You're going, okay, my inclination is to like just shove everybody out of the circle so I can deal with my problems. Right. And the Lord trying to minister to us through other people, through his word, like all the ways he wants to reach us. Mm. Um, gosh, I just I'm, like that movie was really powerful for me.
0: Yeah. It's just like, you know, it is so amazing how. God uses people to speak into us and how you were able to just like, uh, come out of that knowing him more. Would you maybe share like one thing that you think God taught you most through all of that, um, in that whole season of battling cancer and then surviving like that is just, you know, incredible, um, that you're able to do that obviously with the help of the Lord. So tell us what you learned.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, so many things, but I think first and foremost, just, and it's so cliche sounding because we say, you know, you got to trust God's plan. You got to lay down your own plans, but like really dying to your own plan every day and being very intentional Mm. about waking up every morning and going, okay, Lord, like I'm supposed to die to myself. I'm supposed to pick up my cross. I'm supposed to follow you. I'm supposed to do all these things. Like if you, like, I really have learned to intentionally say, you know, minute by minute, what whatever comes my way, like to pray for the Lord's plan. Like, is this your will God? Like, is this, am I getting in the way of something that you want to be doing? Is my, you know, are my selfish desires or the things that I want? Like, have I, can I separate those things mm. and lay all of my selfish fleshly, like temporal desires down and pick up what you have for me each day? Mm. Um, that's really when God started to show me that he really does have a different plan and it is so supremely different than what you would carve out for yourself. Right. When, when I, I mean, when I was 26, first diagnosis, I, I mean, I had never grew up in church and never really prayed before and believed like there's a God, he's listening to me, he loves me. I just, you hear that over and over when you grow up in church, but it doesn't mean anything. And I remember being in the bathroom, like on the floor of my parents' bathroom, I'm in the middle of a quarantine for 72 hours, kind of do this weird treatment where you take a pill that makes you your body radioactive, I couldn't make this mm. up. And I'm like, so dizzy and so sick. And I just finally went, Oh my gosh, I'm quarantined. Like if I faint in here, no one can come in and help me. So I laid down on the floor in case I fell. I was just like, I'll lay here until I feel better. And I prayed. And I remember saying, God, I don't know. I don't even know if I believe, I just know that I can't do this by myself It's too big and too hard. And if you would just, can you just, if if you're real, can you just come in here and be with me? Mm. And, um, I felt so much better after I said that. And I really, God gave me a piece in that moment to like get through the hard, you know, the difficulty of that Mm -hmm. 72 hours. Then when I got out of the room, I was like, it wasn't, it it wasn't like, okay, cool. on to the next thing. It was like, okay, I've, I've missed my calling. I've clearly been prioritizing the things that only matter to me. And I started asking Mm -hmm. and praying for the first time, like, Lord, okay. So if, I obviously have like a concept of you. I have a context for you. I grew up in church. So let me try to access that a little bit and ask some really hard questions, like, did you make me to do something, and am I on that right path, or am i am I close, or have I completely missed the mark? And if mm-hmm. and and what he showed me was that I was just off my path. He had different things for me to be doing. and i and for me, it felt like I had just wasted. I had just wasted the gifts he gave me, the talents he gave me, the work he wanted me to do in the world. And once he started asking, he showed me Mm -hmm. and it didn't take long. It didn't take long for him to like, I I remember distinctly praying in that early hard season, Lord, like, what did you make me to do? And I felt like a wrenching in my soul for children. And it was like, God was shaking me. Like he had grabbed my shoulders and shook me and just said like, why are you not working with children? Mm -hmm. You have, really special relationship with them they love you you love them and and in my mind I was like okay if I'm not going to be alive very long could I get into the classroom could I get a teaching credential get into the classroom and just spend every day impacting kids and pouring positivity in them and mentoring them and coaching them and counseling them and just being for kids what I needed when I was young Mm -hmm. Um, could I could I do that and make a a positive difference with the time I had. So that's when I mean I was still doing treatment when I enrolled in an online teacher credentialing program, finished (laughs) it in nine months and started student teaching, met my husband in there, and then you know, we get married and I get my first teaching job like right through the rest of the cancer stuff. So God really showed me that there was something different and better and more than I ever thought was possible cuz when you're looking through just the lens of this temporary life and what can I gain in the short term you're just going to miss God's ultimate purpose for you right um, but his grace is so good cuz I, I mean here i here like i'm sitting here you know 7 years cancer free married 10 years to you know almost two kids like you mm. thriving business and we you know i quit my teaching job and we started a business like God's really shifted me and pivoted me in a lot of different ways, but it's been so cool to just follow his lead and the, and the pressure like alleviated Mm -hmm. from my, like from walking in my own burden of going, gosh, like I have to do this all on my own. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so confused. Let me just, you know, try to like trying to make money and have a comfortable life is it's, you're just going to totally miss what God has for you. So that's, I mean, if I could challenge anybody who's listening, especially anybody in their 20s to just start asking the Lord and spend time with him, he's so faithful. Right. He he will show you. He -hmm. will show you.
0: Yeah. And you know, you were talking about how like you had to come to the place where you said, okay, God, like, what do you have for me? Like, okay, what is this day to day going to look like? I have to die to myself. I have to, um, give up some of those things that I think I should be able to do instead, listen to what you're calling me to. And, you know, I think that that's very timely, um, with just everything that's going on right now. And just having, you know, a lot of things being stripped away from people, you know, just whether it's jobs or finances or whatever it is, things being stripped away and having to go, okay, God, what's next? You know, like, specifically in the sense of school, you know, I'm a teacher, I teach third grade and I've had to do uh, e-learning. I had to do that for the remainder of this year and then not knowing what that's going to look like in the fall, you know, that's kind of up in the air and having to go, okay, Lord, what do you have? And all these, all these moms and dads that had to become teachers during this whole time. And so, you know, That's a lot. And a lot of them working full time and having to teach. And so, you know, maybe do you have some advice for some of those parents uh, and kids and just those families that uh, were having to kind of take that on themselves?
1: Yeah, I think and bless you for you know trying to figure it out with no notice too. I right. think the other day, okay, cool. I'm like in the teaching routine, and my kids are working their way through the end of the year, and now okay, just kidding. Everyone's home, and right. they need to do all the online till the end of school. So I feel like a lot of parents and people who are you know trying to figure out this time in isolation, they have that added pressure of okay, now my kids are home, I have. This other job that I'm trying to, and now their academics are so like something that I need to prioritize with no notice and no training. And I yeah. like, we just like, we don't have the equipment or the tools or the mental fortitude to be able to execute on what the solutions are, right? But I think I would say, I mean, even in my time as a teacher, uh, and now homeschooling my daughter, and we work full time from home, we homeschool her. Um, so I've really had to lay down personally like the just the traditional you know rhythms of what I know the school day is Mm -hmm. and when you're doing that home there's so much freedom and it's really exciting to be able to create and curate the schooling experience for your kids that they need without the the added pressure of like 20 other kids in the classroom like no one knows and loves your kid better than you do so like and you're Mm -hmm. God's already placed in their life to nurture them and develop them and disciple them so this is just an added layer of you know taking control of their academics and really inviting them into the conversation for how they learn best and getting a plan in place that's going to work for your individual students needs like that's been that's always been really fun at least that's what I've enjoyed most about schooling Rooney over the last year and it's just kindergarten but I still have had those you know, moments of, okay, never mind that I'm a trained teacher and I have all this professional teaching experience. Like, I've never taught kindergarten. So I was in my own head about it too. Like, I do this. Are the lessons going to be right? Are we spending enough time on each individual subject when I didn't have, yeah, the formal training? But, you know, if you sit down and really glean some wisdom off of people that have been doing it a lot longer who are managing their homes and all these things and just ask the questions and Mm -hmm. don't look out into the internet. Like it's this vast ocean of like treacherous material. (laughs) Like you have to, you know, you have to pick and choose and plan and make some decisions for your kids and, Mm -hmm. and just do what you think. And we have, you know, we, us women, we have great instincts, you know, and we can, we can rely on, we feel like the situation needs, like we are very perceptive and very relational and we Mm -hmm. can, you know, situation and go, okay, uh, you know, I have the mental capacity to make a good decision. Let me do some research, um, put something together, let me implement it. And then if it's not working, you know, you can change it. So right. I think just being flexible, it was very helpful and not like, oh, if I put this in, it's not set in stone. If I don't like it, I can change it and I can be creative about it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because I feel like a lot of people can get caught up in feeling like you have to have it perfect or like making a schedule to every day and sticking to it and like having no wiggle room there. And just the reality of it is that you can't function in the same way as you would in the normal school environment. And even in the school environment, like do I stick to my schedule day to day to the dot? Absolutely not. It's like, do we need to spend some more time on this? Yes. Less time on this? Yes. You know? And so it's just not reality to think that we can do it perfectly every single
1: day, you know, especially yeah, when- we like we like that control, right? Like I love the idea of <laughs> yeah. oh, there's the, you know, there's a schedule and there's a, you know, the bell rings and you rotate. Like I really enjoyed that <laughs> about school. So I'm going to set something up at home where it's like, oh, I'm trying to work and have, you know, appointments and meetings and writing time on, you know, it intermixed with all the things that she has to do academically and everyone needs to get what they need. It, it never looks the same. Mm-hmm. And we have a, you know, we have a rhythm that works for us. We usually do school in the morning. Um, but sometimes, you know, that gets kicked to the curb. Like, like you said, if you, if you need to, you just change it as, as needed. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Sometimes it feels less comfortable because we like, we like it, you know, on a schedule. We like to see it. We like to control it. Um, But that's not how life is. (laughs) Amen. Amen.
0: Clearly. It is clearly not how it works. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I'm kind of glad it doesn't work that way because I feel like if I had control, I know if I had control, things would not go very well. So, okay. So I want to move to, the last couple of questions that I ask every guest that comes on the show. Um, and the first one is what is one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something? Oh,
1: what is, I mean, there's, it's a long list, Emma.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's
1: a hard like, one. One thing. Oh man. Okay. Um, I really wish I would have known Jesus and more more of a real way, not just on paper or like, not knowing what he did, but how, but who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, I, like I grew up in school and church and Sunday school and I did all the, you know, stand up, sit down, memorize the stuff and recite these Bible verses and act these plays out. And I did all of that. And I, I gained a good foundation for like the works of Christ and what he did. But I didn't really learn. I wish I would have known more about how that fit into my sinful nature and why I needed him. Mm -hmm. Because to me just felt like okay, you go here to this building and you kind of play church, you just put it on for people and you pretend mm-hmm. and you're a really good. student. You're responsible. So you memorize all this stuff and you do a good job, but it doesn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, obviously God really showed me through a violent, you know, period of intense suffering, um, that that I'm so grateful for. uh, And I really only think that that violent shove into reality was going to be like the kickstart my faith needed. But I think just thinking back about growing up and really not understanding who who he was and what that means for each of us. I knew a lot about him. I knew a lot about God's word. Mm. Um, I could tell a lot of things that were in it, but I couldn't tell you, you know, I remember sitting in my, First Bible study was like a young adults Bible study, you know, a couple maybe a year or two after my first diagnosis, and Brent invited me to this Bible study. I was like, I'm not going to your Bible study. (laughs) Like I was so annoyed, (laughs) but I got there and they're having this really rich conversation about the Gospels, and they're friendly debating each other. I mean, it's like 20s and 30s, like young young men and women, and I'm sitting in this Bible study going, Gosh, I want to engage in this conversation. I want to talk to them. I have questions. I have real you know, ideas that I want to bring forth. But I, I realized in that, in that Bible study that I only knew facts about Jesus and I could not like synthesize the information and apply it to why it matters to my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yes. that's when I like, that's when my faith sort of took like an expansive, like it took a turn because I went, okay, I need to engage in God's word in a way that's not just like reading it like a storybook it's It's yeah. understanding what what the value is and why salvation is important. Um, n- not just for everyone, but for me. Mm-hmm. So I, it has like, to go like,
0: like sorry, it has mm-hmm. to go from like your head okay. to your heart, you know, like it's yeah,
1: there was no. and, and I'm you know I'm an intellectual, like I'm a thinking person. <laughs> i'm I'm not I have trouble accessing my feelings and emotions and talking mm-hmm. about how I feel I'm a thinker. Um, is how I'm wired. So I sort of gravitated to the knowledge based side of it and not so much like gaining wisdom or understanding about why it was important for, for my life.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's like, we're all wired so differently and, um, it can be very easy to like take that route of just like treating it as more head knowledge and like not actually following Jesus with your heart. Um, and so he has crazy ways of bringing us all to that point of like needing him and realizing, you know, the the weight of the cross and the uh, the joy of the gospel. And so I'm thankful for your story, even though I'm sure it was not at all easy.
1: <laughs> it was definitely not easy, but honestly, <laughs> the best thing that ever happened to me. I and everybody thinks. I mean, I I get. I talk about this a lot because people are very impressed and like wowed by the fact that, wow, I had cancer five times. And now I've experienced this, you know, this healing that no one can really explain. And we haven't, I haven't had a bad scan for almost eight years now. And it's just like life just took a a really serious positive turn. Um, but that's not really the, like the miracle of my life is not the cancer. It's like, that's like the second most amazing miracle. The first one is the the heart transformation. Like God took an angry, insecure, selfish person who was wasting her life and he completely changed her and and woke her up. And it's only his grace can do that. Like only, only Jesus can do that. And it's, that's the miracle of my life. Mm. And just the cancer miracle is like an added bonus, but I always think Mm -hmm. about it like it's secondary because it's physical. It's the first one, spiritual. It's the one I needed most.
0: Mm -hmm. That is so true. That is so cool. I wanted to see uh, in this season of life, what you are like reading, listening to, and or watching any of those things.
1: Okay. So definitely reading. So The Treasury Principle by Randy Alcorn. Oh. I've read a lot, a lot of books by him. Um, the Law of Rewards is one of my favorite books by him. And it talks about just living living where you're prioritizing building God's kingdom above everything else, um, which is very countercultural. And it's very counter to even just the average Christian walk. So I really am very grateful for that book. Um, I love Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Hmm. I listened to that walking around the trail and then I got halfway through it and I was like, I need to be journaling and writing while I'm doing this, but now I'm listening to it while I'm walking. So I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it like a thousand more times during um my quiet time <laughs> and to be able yeah. to actually because I have like, That's you know, you're not spiral when someone's talking and it's really like hitting you, your thoughts are I'm like, oh my God, I'm walking my dog right now and I need to be writing. <laughs> it's like, um, can we slow that but, down? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I know and it's I've, I've gone back so many times to like listen to chapters and over and over um, That book is just has been in my ear for like the last 12 months. So those two books for sure Um, gosh watching Brett and I just made a list of different I mean just during this current cultural moment everything uh, That's going on With around Black Lives Matter and just the struggles of our nation and globally um we, we just have made a list of things to watch, like, again, like 13. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of documentaries on Netflix and um, that we made a list to watch. So we're just going yeah. to hunker down while we're here and really invest. Um, and we've watched some of these things before, but I feel like watching them with new eyes and different hearts now that, you know, we can see what's happening around us. Um, and just really being, I don't know, thoughtful about what we can do to affect change because mm-hmm. it starts it starts with individuals like individual heart change and then how does that you know it's it goes from the inside out right and we i yeah, think we absolutely. we so excited about what are we going to go into our community and do or what are we going to do to make a difference and it really just needs to start with with our person with our own person and our nature and some of the things that we need to deal with about our heart and our sin so um we're just, we're doing that as a couple now because we, we've just, we, we feel really strongly that this is a time for us to reflect and really figure out, you know, what this means for our relationship, our parenting, the work we do out in the world, how we want to affect people, um, how we love people like Jesus did. So these are all just questions that he and I work through together. So made a yeah. list of things to watch for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to uh, see kind of some of those ones that you came up with. And uh, that's kind of what I'm trying to do as well. And I love what you said about just like, it's, it starts with our heart. Like, you know, how, how is it not aligning and not aligning to uh, God's heart in this? And so taking that first step to kind of
1: analyze that about ourselves. So that's really good. Um, and that God would know us too. Cause even like, even if we look at ourselves, we go, Oh, I'm not raised. I don't have these thoughts. Like I don't, you know, I, I don't view anybody in a, in a prejudicial way, but we don't like, we are blind sometimes to our own, to our own sin. and <laughs> We lie to our, ourselves. So I think for us, it's more about let's, let's really spend some time ask God, like God's so faithful. He'll illuminate different things when you ask him, you know, when the Bible says in James, when we ask for wisdom, he gives it and he doesn't withhold it. So yeah. I think like for this conversation and everything that, that everyone's going through, it's very easy to look out into the world and go, okay, I got to fix that. I got to fix what's going on over there. And <laughs> if we just look forward and like ask God to change certain parts about us or to illuminate places that have been darkened by sin that we're not even aware of, like that's the first step in healing because mm. we, we can go ourselves and what we can do to change just things right where we are we yeah. don't have to look far
0: that's so true we we do love to blame whatever is outwardly like that needs to
1: be fixed <laughs> and so what would it look like right. to so turn inward that or, or that's good that we need more of that right and it's easy to you know use your eyes to like displace yeah um, I
0: 100% agree. Yeah. And that's just, you know, I'm laughing because it's like, yeah, I do that. Like, it's so easy to, to look out and want to, you know, blame other things, you know, but it starts with us and like analyzing our own hearts. Good points, Erin, good points. And (laughs) so (laughs) lastly, will you uh, tell us what's refreshing you these days? Like anything that is just bringing you life? Obviously, being okay. in Montana,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. um, and and driving here, like I've never seen landscape like I saw when we drove here. So, mm-hmm. I'm, like even just looking out and, and spending time by the river and the mountains, and the sky is so big. Like the sun comes up at five and it doesn't go down to like ten thirty here at night. Whoa! So wow. Just illuminated and bright and light and it's all green and it's all beautiful. So definitely spending a lot of time outside. I'm also doing to exercise some very pregnant right now. So I'm, <laughs> I'm like, taking a back seat to like not sleeping and feeling uncomfortable, but I started doing bar exercises. Oh, I love um, bar
0: exercises.
1: Yes. Let me just tell you. So for anyone who's just like, no one is less coordinated or graceful physically than this person that's talking right now. <laughs> So the stand up in my living room as a 29 week, you know, I'm f- I'm very far along. This is not like a dainty cute little baby bump anymore. It's getting big. And my daughter's got her little chair next to me. And she, we're both just like, we look like hyena acrobats trying to like kick <laughs> our these graceful ballerinas. And it's the funniest thing. I just giggle the whole time I'm doing it. So that's really helpful. <laughs> even though it's like it's so not. It's so ugly to watch. I'm sure my husband comes in and is like appalled because it's not coordinated. <laughs> it's, it's a um, You can laugh yeah, at process, Enjoying God's God's green earth and the environment that He made, and then just that that warped, warped version of the bar that I'm trying to do <laughs> <laughs> you are lighting me up right now because it's you have to laugh at yourself, right? Which beautiful.
0: probably makes it more fun. If you were good at it, it wouldn't <laughs> be as fun. <laughs>
1: I compare myself to a six-year-old who's doing it, who has absolutely no coordination because she's only been alive for six years and walking around for less than that. So I'm like, "Oh, we're <laughs> doing it," and I don't feel there's no pressure to do really well.
0: Right, you don't have to impress her.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not impressed. She's it's it's impressive to watch the the woman who's doing it because she's like so dainty and graceful, and all her moves are like the ocean. And then there's us two, two ladies in the living room trying to make it work.
0: <laughs> well i respect that and i'm sure it is great quality time getting to laugh at each other you're getting i think you're probably getting extra ab work into you know while you're laughing so exactly it's two, it's <laughs> two for one two for one special yeah <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on today erin it was a joy to talk to you and i'm so thankful for you sharing your story uh and just giving us some tips um in this uh, crazy time of life uh we super appreciate you coming on today.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Emma. It's been great being here. Thank
0: you. Thank you guys so much for listening in. I pray that you feel emboldened to reflect on your obedience to the Lord and ask him to convict your heart where it might need to be convicted. And I'm so thankful for just the body of Christ and for all the ways that we each play a part in God's story. And so I hope you feel super encouraged by that. So stay fresh, my people.